You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, LuchaCentral.com presents Straight Out of the Bodega with King Fat Boy Papo Esco. From the wrestling world of the podcast world, it's Straight Out of the Bodega with your host, the King Fat Boy Papo Esco. You have arrived, pulled up. Welcome to another edition of Straight Out of the Bodega. I am your master of ceremonies, the bully from the bodega, the lucha thug, the one-man lucha gang, El Rey Gordo himself, King Fat Boy Papo Esco. And as always, we're going to take you on this ride. We're going to take you on a ride through the blocks, back alleys, and street corners of the bodega. We're going to give you everything you need that's pro wrestling, a little bit of entertainment, but I'm ready. I know you're ready. Take a seat, pour up your favorite drink, and let's ride. It's Thursday. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Welcome to another edition of Straight Out of the Bodega. I am, as always, your master of ceremonies, the King Fat Boy Papuesco. And uh, whew, excuse me if uh, I'm a little out of breath. I'm on location right now. I am at Pro Wrestling Revolution Training Academy in San Jose, California. Uh, back in the ring, man. The King Fat Boy is back in the ring. It's been uh, almost six months since I've even set foot in a ring and done any type of anything. And uh, just being back in here, is, it feels good and it feels bad. You know, I'm out of breath right now because I'm blowing myself up. I just got done with my workout, uh, blowing myself up pretty good, trying to get back into some form of ring shape, taking bumps, as many bumps as I can, trying to build that callus back up. I'm not going to lie to you, though. It hurts bad. Um, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I should probably quit, but <laughs> I'm not going to. You know, I'm going to build that callus back up. I'm going to get my wind back up and... Uh, Hopefully, I can start making some moves, you know, see where it goes. Um, I know we're still in a pandemic. I got to take it easy, you know, but we're doing solo uh, gym sessions, you know. Pro Wrestling Revolution Training Academy is doing everything that they can to make sure that we stay safe when we're coming in here to do these solo open gym sessions. Um, You know, we're getting the temperature checks. We are cleaning uh, the ropes, we're cleaning the turnbuckles with disinfectant, we're sweeping all our dead skin and all kinds of the sweat and stuff out of the ring, and then we're disinfecting the ring at the end of the night when we uh, leave. Tonight it's going to be me, I'm going to steam clean this whole uh, mat, and we're going to you know, get it prepared for the next, the next round of sessions that are, that are going to have people coming in here. But anyway, I got to get back to it. Um, we're going to have a great show for you today. We'll get, we'll get into that in a minute. But before we do, uh, I got something to say. A couple things I want to talk about real quick. First, I think it's appropriate to take this time out to give a huge shout out and mad respect to Aaron Solo and Mr. Will Power, Will Hobbs. Both these cats represent the great state of California, specifically the Bay Area of California. And you know, they doing it well, man. Um, I really don't know Aaron. I met him twice. It was kind of like a, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you type of thing. But I've known Hobbs for a while. Me and Will go back a time. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's a solid guy, man. Stand up guy. He's a family dude. And he's the type of dude that'll, you know, give you the shirt off his back if he feels you need it. Um, once you get to talking to him and get to know him, you, you hear his story. 
story and that's a story that needs to be told both inside and outside the ring and I, and I hope that his current venture exploits that you know I hope they really dig in on his story and, and let him you know get introduced to the world man uh, him and Aaron recently debuted on AEW's AEW Dark Show on YouTube and for the last couple of weeks man they've been getting their feet wet you know really getting into their comfort zone and I feel like when they open up uh, we're gonna see nothing but big things from both of them you know they, they both have a good look and, and, and a lot to offer to any promotion including AEW so y'all keep grinding man I'm proud of y'all and I hope to see you on AEW's Dynamite Show uh, sooner than later but another thing I wanted to talk about is I don't know if you've seen it I don't know if you haven't If it's been on your radar Or if it hasn't But if it hasn't It needs to be A video package just came out By J.R. Kratos And I gotta say This video package is dope Shout out to the videographer Who put the scenes together And, and put the video together Shout out to, to everybody that helped J.R. Kratos along the way with this video package from the promo to, you know, uh, every single scene and, and, and the whole layout. Um, but, you know, it, it needs to be seen, man. It, it, I don't, now, we're an audio podcast, so I can't show you the video. Uh, unfortunately, but you can go to J.R. Kratos page on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and you can see it for yourself. Uh, the easiest way I can explain it is this. J.R. Kratos called out the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes and challenged him to the TNT Championship or for the TNT Championship. Um, I want to see it happen. And everybody who knows J.R. Kratos and has seen him work they want to see it happen too, you know. Uh, just looking at Jr. Kratos, he's an imposing figure. You know, he does strike fear, make people uncomfortable at times when he steps in the ring with him. And just his whole mo, the way he moves, his mannerisms, his face, facial expressions, you know, it's it's definitely uh, something to see. And honestly. To see the most feared J.R. Kratos go up against the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes for the AEW TNT Championship would be very, very interesting, and I'd like to see it. So, everybody who's listening, go see the video, go share the video, tag AEW, tag Tony Khan, tag Cody Rhodes, and let's make this thing go viral, man. I want to see J.R. Kratos inside an AEW ring standing across from Cody Rhodes soon but man shout out to J.R. Kratos he's another solid dude another good guy another family man he's another dude that'll give you the shirt off his back if he feels you need it and you know he, he's just he, he's a good good friend of mine and I, I want to see this happen so let's let's make this let's make this go viral all right so we got a great show for you today we got a luchador on. Some of y'all might not know him. Some of y'all might know him. But for, for those who don't know him, hey, this is a chance for you to get to know him, man. He's got a good story, and that story needs to be told. Um, he's been all around the United States. He's worked in China. He's worked in Mexico. He's currently working New Japan shows in Southern California for the, I think it's the, the Lions... Uh, 
the Lions Break Collision. I'm sorry. If I messed that up, I apologize. But it's New Japan. I'm talking about my guy, Mysterio. So he's on the show today. We're going to have a good sit down. We're going to discuss a lot of good things with him. You're going to hear that I'm not really talking during the interview. And it wasn't that I didn't have a lot to say. It's just that, you know, I, I didn't really understand. I couldn't really digest the, the backstage antics of like this whole Lucha Libre uh you know, uh, thing. There was there was a lot of a lot of drama, and a lot of uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, mystery around the Mysterioso name, if uh, if I can say that. It was a good story, man. You know, I didn't have a lot to say during the interview, but Gabe, he he knows what's going on, man. You know, that's why he's there, man. He's my he's my partner. You know, where, where I, you know, lack, he's strong, and where he lacks, I'm strong. So. Um, it's a good mix. Anyway, I can't wait for you to hear it. We're going to get into it. But before we do that, as always, we're going to go right to the golden voice. We're going to go to the first lady of the Lucha Central Podcast Network, Denise Salcedo and Lucha Central Central. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch your favorite shows each week or when to try a new one. We've got a brand new video series kicking off this Sunday as photographer Jerry Villagrana debuts Photo Versus exclusively on the Lucha Central Facebook page. On each episode, Jerry and a fellow photographer go mano a mano comparing and sharing stories behind some of their most memorable photos. This week, Jerry welcomed Josh Garcia of Rudos Photo as they explored shots of Rey Mysterio. And this coming Sunday, Black Terry Jr. joins the show and he and Jerry share photos of their favorite lucha dives. Don't miss the show. Sundays at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, only at Facebook.com slash Lucha Central. Monday, it's an elite episode of Business of the Business as Kevin welcomes the man behind the new AEW action figure line, Jeremy Hadauer, to the show to talk about writing letters to 1,000 famous people as a kid, getting into the toy business, creating the Jack's WWF classic line, his recent record-breaking Pokemon card purchase, and, of course, the launch of AEW figures and collectibles line. On Tuesday, Mass Mats and Mayhem gets a visit from El Inframundo when AAA and Lucha Underground star Drago stops by. Plus, the gang chops it up about the possibility of Mil Muertes in AEW, former Lucha Underground stars that are making waves, new additions to the walls of fame and shame, and much more. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at luchacentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. This Tuesday night live on WrestleBossLive.com, Fabi Chulo is back with Lucha Underground and Lucha Vavum's Mariachi Loco and the Crash Lucha Libre's Mecha Wolf. Call in live to ask questions Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the chisme from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Find the video version on Facebook Wednesday through Friday and then Saturdays download the audio version in podcast form. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez. 
This week, Los Angeles Misterioso pulls up to talk shop about his start in Lucha Libre, controversy surrounding the Misterioso name, and his rise to the independent scene, including international trips to Mexico, China, and Japan for Dragon Gate, plus working for New Japan here in the U.S. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, one in English y el otro en Español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. This week, both shows take a look back at Grand League's biggest WWE match to date as he took on AJ Styles last Friday night on SmackDown. Plus, Lucha Time's latest news, including their alliance with DTU. Catch up on the top stories of the entire week in Lucha Libre in just 90 minutes. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms. And please be sure to give a rating and review to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Alcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. And welcome back. We are here once again. Welcome to Straight Out the Bodega. I am your master of ceremonies, the King Fat Boy Papa Wesco. And as always, I got to introduce my guy. I got to introduce my boy. He is owner and operator of Pro Wrestling Revolution. Owner and operator of Pro Wrestling Revolution Training Academy. Owner, operator, proprietor, whatever you want to call it, Grand Wizard Guru of www.lucha-mass.com. The face covers that are sweeping the nation. It's my man, Gabe Ramirez. How you doing, brother? No, mom is. What do you mean, fucking Grand Wizard? <laughs> in re- in re- what the hell was that, in re- bro? <laughs> the Grand Wizard. The, like, the wrestler, like the wrestler. Whoa, like, like the manager, God. you know. Bro, we live you in know. some sensitive times and shit. You, uh, you know what we are actually wizard. now. Now that I'm thinking about it, we we are living in some sensitive. <laughs> oh times. man, please send all wow. hate mail to Popo Esco at I don't know what the fuck I just said. Dot com. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, hey, you know, like always, we got a great show today. <laughs> the best right? show ever. ever, ever, ever. We got a guy. He's a close friend of ours. He's a friend of the show. We've seen him coming up. All over the U.S., Mexico, and even New Japan Pro Wrestling, which we'll get into in a little while. We got my man, Mysterioso on. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. It's, it's, it's truly an honor. And it's cool to speak to you guys for so long. Dude, how man, it's the been a while. hell are you? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, man, just, you know, just dugging and dodging, trying to, trying to make something out of it. Whatever this year is left salvageable. You know? Trying try to make a dollar out of 15 cent? Huh? Huh? Sort of. Sort of. Huh? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Huh? Something like that. You know? So, let's get started, man. Let's get right into it, brother. You know, I want you to definitely tell your story. There's a lot of people that know who you are. There's a lot of people who don't know who you are. And that's what we're here for. We're trying to get you new fans. We're trying to get new listeners to hear your story and, and and i want you to tell it the right way man so let, let's get started from the beginning brother i mean you know i, I like to ask this question first because i feel like it, it's pertinent to everybody's story you know how, how did you get started man like like did you get started in lucha when you started training or was it american style when did you get started and what made you make the jump into this business uh so i basically i i mean i started obviously my 
my dad is a wrestler. Uh, he was a local wrestler here in Los Angeles. And um, I would go to... What was his name? Bionico. Uh, yeah. Before, he used okay. to wrestle at... Uh, like, he had other names, like Alucinante and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I would go to the shows and stuff. And then um, I really, to be honest, I, I didn't have that much of an interest when I was, like, maybe six. I would go to the shows, but my... Like, my whole thing was, like, you know, like any kid, I think, at that age, would just to get in the ring, you know, just, just mess around a little bit. But um, I remember, like, I, I really remember this memory, like, just watching television with my with my mom and flipping through the channels. And I actually saw, I think it was, like, Rey Mysterio versus uh, Kurt Angle on, like, SmackDown or something. And that really intrigued me first because, uh, like, obviously, Rey Mysterio looked uh, Latino and he had a mask on. And me going to, like, uh, Lucha Libre events, everyone had a mask on the Lucha Libre events. So everything kind of connected me from that. And then uh, from there, I mean, I started training at really a young age, like maybe seven, going to eight years old. Really? Yeah. So back then it was a little bit uh, in the... Los Angeles uh, local lucha scene was a little bit different. Um, uh, they really didn't want like, well, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but there was a there was a like a sanctuary, uh, a really famous uh, lucha libre uh, training spot that a lot of the LA guys would go to. Was that a uh, Gills Gym? Yes. Yes. Gills, Gills Gym. So like, let's say there was an event, even maybe in uh, TJ or something. Mm -hmm. uh, all the superstars would pop in there and you know get a training session if they were like because there was a gym too on top of a wrestling gym and even upstairs they had like little beds and stuff that they could like stay the night if they didn't have a hotel or whatever the case is so my point is like uh for little kids to be there it was kind of a no but um i think at that time there was another another uh kid that was actually training uh Lucha Libre, and he was a little bit older than me. I think he might have been like 10, 11, but he was super more advanced than me. Uh, and and I think my dad uh, spoke to the owner, uh, Gil, and he said, well, you know, he, he wants uh, to train. Like, how much do I pay you or whatever the case is? And he's like, oh, well, um, I obviously can't train, but if you want to teach him on your spare time, it's fine. Just make sure it doesn't like uh, like uh, mess up with the other classes because I think there was classes like all day basically, especially like after five because people would get off of work and stuff. Yeah. So, so my whole thing was um, after like my dad would get finished with his training, I would actually have like maybe 30 minutes, sometimes even less of him just teaching me how to roll and like do like uh, hit the ropes so I gotta, and stuff. I got to ask, man, you know, um, you, you, I got a lot of people come on here and they talk about their training. They talk about how tough it was and how they were put through the ringer, for lack of a better phrase, you know, just kind of pushed to the limit from where they were at to make right. sure that they actually wanted to do this. Now, did your dad pull any punches with you? Or, or was he like, you know, I know you're seven, but this is Lucha and you're going to be training. Um, you, you need to show respect and I'm going to teach you the respect. So was, was he hard on you? Was it overly strenuous looking back you know did he treat you no different than say an adult who's trying to train did you have to call cps right. <laughs> <laughs> did you have to call cps <laughs> uh well in in my point of view uh we couldn't mess around because i mean even after the training obviously not everyone left right away so um like it, they 
just I gave you that whole scenario because it couldn't be like oh you know like laughs and giggles and stuff. It would be like this is how you roll. He would show me maybe twice or three times, and then I would have to emulate it, and I would have to like uh obviously it was just like little basics back roll front roll maybe after that how to hit the ropes and stuff, but it couldn't be like like uh like messing around or like smiling or like you know like getting on top of the third rope or anything it, it couldn't be that because like i said no kids were supposed to even train so it was kind of I, I did that for maybe like a year of just like go, going with them watching the whole two-hour training session after they were done getting the ring maybe for like 30 minutes and obviously he would go at that time i think twice a week so I was get like twice a week reps to practice like my front rows, back rows, three quarters, and all that stuff. So after a year doing that, by like eight, I kind of got a hang to it. So like the other wrestlers and stuff, they would kind of see pro- pro- uh, progress a little bit, and they would even tell me like, "Well, you know what? Like he could probably do like the tumbling with us if if you want to let him." And then that's how like uh, basically another step of my training then. So after like a year of just my dad giving me like 30 minutes to himself, I would actually, the next year when I was like eight and a half or whatever the case would be, I would just join in for the tumbling. And that would be probably for another year. I'm just joining in for the tumbling, maybe like what what's tumbling? Maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes at the most? Yeah, yeah, yeah something like so, that, yeah. Yeah, so I would just I would just uh, get in the ring, you know, before I, they would even do like five, ten minutes of outside ring work, you know, just like jogging plays, high knees, yeah. uh, kicks to the butt, stuff like that. And then they would finally get in the ring, and then that's when they would do another, like, what, 15 minutes of tumbling. And then once they started uh, doing all the, the holds and stuff, that was my cue to get out. And that was for, like, another year or two. So I didn't so- probably start... So he wasn't letting he wasn't letting you actually you know do any of the moves or anything. It was all tumbling. It was all rolls. It was all yeah. calisthenics cardio. How soon um, was it before you were able to start you know learning the moves, getting you know into into match mode, learning some of the sequences, and 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 how soon was it before you actually got in the ring? I mean, goddamn man, seven eight years old. That's that's real young. So well, unless yeah. you t- unless you tell me different, my assumption is you you train for like eight or nine years before you even got in the ring right the, yeah, the, yeah, i mean yeah. the real question is when did you start slapping your leg that's right <laughs> when did you start slapping the leg? <laughs> no that's, that's the thing you, you got to think about it this is, this is probably like what like this is i mean obviously i'm not that old but this is still like probably like 2002 2003 2004 you know this is before like the internet really hit off so what i'm trying to say is like you only saw the wrestling that was on tv you know a lot of these like uh any promotions like weren't that big yet because of like YouTube or, you know, Twitch or whatever the social media platform is right now. So um, that's the kind of standard everyone was hitting. Obviously, a lot a lot of the local shows weren't unattainable to that. But but that was the kind of sense that that we were getting. So that that's why it took me so long just to even do other stuff. One, because I was still young. I was obviously smaller than obviously uh, uh, an adult. So I started um so just to reiterate so that kid that actually was kind of ahead of me he was kind of my ticket into doing other things because he was like my partner (laughs) yeah yeah and his dad was actually trained in the same uh he trained in the same uh class as us it was like the last class like a 7 p.m to 9 p.m class Mm -hmm. 
when he would bring his son, I could actually stay for more than the tumbling because I we would basically do do what they did and then we would do it backwards. So is this guy someone that continued and held on doing it, or he oh, did he fade out? He yeah, he he the, he he actually never even debuted. But I I feel like uh, if he would have continued. He he would have been somebody because this guy this guy was was super young and he was already I mean this is before like everyone did a backflip but he was doing backflips at like thirteen twelve you know he had a he had a big uh, sense of the lucha libre style but um I think like he got into basketball and kind of did that path and oh then, come uh, on basketball's fake <laughs> you know? basketball's kind of dope actually I, you know and it was, it's funny <laughs> it's funny you say that because I you know I've been telling my students. Uh, for the longest of time that whenever you have someone who works really hard, they're the ones that last the longest and the ones who have natural ability, they're the first ones to quit. And it, it seems like that happens a lot. You know, have you come across that a lot in your journey? Uh, yeah, I actually have, especially, especially uh, debuting. So like uh, young, mm -hmm. uh, I, I've like, I don't know how to say it, but you see like, like wrestlers kind of come and go sort of things, especially even ones that kind of have a lot of steam going under, maybe they don't have a lot of experience, but maybe they know someone and you're like, Oh, I'm seeing this guy everywhere. And then right. two, three years later pass and then they're no longer there. Or you ask them and I don't know, something happens. Right. But, but yeah, I actually have seen that. But, but with this case, that kind of, that kind of did happen because like I said, we had an age gap. So when he was in high school, he kind of lost interest. And when I became, uh, when I started like middle school and stuff, I, I kept the interest. But what what helped me was that we were kind of the same size, so he was kind of short for his age. So so I could we could still do everything and reverse because I mean even like I think I was maybe twelve and he was like sixteen or so, but we were kind of the same like size. So that that kind of helped a lot. But then once he quit, that actually gave me the door to now uh train with regular adults you know obviously they had a they had a kind of like a lay uh be a little bit more like I, i'm gonna say the truth gentle with me but they would still kind of like you know let me know uh they were there in, in a sense but yeah that that was pretty much my training process it was all strictly lucha stuff until uh i debuted like uh at the age of 15 16 um, it wasn't planned. It wasn't really planned. Uh, what do you mean it wasn't? It wasn't planned. I, know, <laughs> yeah. I, felt, like it, I felt like it never is. <laughs> yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't planned. It was like uh, if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, it was like maybe uh, like you know those park uh, exhibition things that they have. Like they have like a lot of different, like a, not a carnival, but like like Telemundo has them sometimes. Yeah, yeah, like, those festivals. Yeah, like like they have concerts, they have live events, yeah. music. Or they have all that so it was one of those and lucha was was one of the thing it's funny because i already had for some reason i already had my gear made but i didn't have the wrestling boots i only i had wrestling boots as a little kid but i only had like the shin like the like the kid pads yeah, kind of stuff, yeah. The wrestling boots. so and uh i think somebody was missing or something was or or they needed another match and then um they basically told me like, "Hey, you have your stuff," and I'm like, uh, "Yeah, I actually do." Or I think my dad brought it for me something because I, I I don't remember I had it. He's like, "Oh, I have it." He's like, "Oh, yeah, just go up." And that it was it was just that quick. I I was nervous as hell because I mean, one thing is training, and another thing is even if it's for like a little crowd performing and stuff. 
but yeah, that was that was kind of my first experience uh, performing in live. So when you know, as as a kid that young, you know, you you, you I mean, you call it debut, but it, it, you right. know, was it was it was that the point where you decided, hey, I really want to do this, I want to go with this, or was this some, something like, hey, you know, I did this once, I'm gonna take a back step for a little bit. I always hear stories when you know, with with people that start so young. You know, like we had Jungle Boy on here a little while ago, and he said that he started that young, and he kind of just, you know, his his childhood kind of stopped, and then he came back later on. Was this the case for you, or once you got the taste of your first match, you were like, "Yo, I'm all in. Let's 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 do this." No, yeah. Once I mean, obviously, I, I, being 15, I'm still I'm I'm probably in high school by then. So I still had to, like, finish my high school and stuff. But, no, like, I was accepting any type of booking at that point. Yeah, I was accepting any type of booking. Anywhere I could get booked, basically, uh, I, I would do it. And uh, I, I was taking them because, uh, like I said, my, my dad was still wrestling. So if he was wrestling somewhere, like, uh, maybe that's not in Los Angeles, like Salinas, California or something, he would, uh, like, campaign for me to at least get, like, a first match or something. And, uh, yeah, I would get it. I would get it, and I would go with him. I would, we would do, like, the eight-hour, nine-hour road trips and stuff. And then, yeah, I would, like, maybe we would come back even that Sunday in the uh, – or, like, Monday in the morning, and then I would have to go to school right away. And it was like that. It was like that basically until, yeah, until I finished school. But, yeah, I, I really – I didn't – obviously, at that age, I wasn't uh, wrestling as much, maybe – you know, like I don't know, I don't know how to, ex I don't remember, but any booking that I could get, I, I, I was definitely gonna do it. And so, when you were taking these bookings, what name were you under? I was under Epico. Yeah. Epico. Yeah, I was under. Epico. Never heard of the guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never, never heard of the guy. Never heard of him. Yeah. So you're you're out of you're out of school, man. You're out of school. You know, you're you're technically an adult now. You know, you you want to take that next step in your life, that next chapter. And you want to wrestle, right? So take me through the early parts of your wrestling career when you really wanted to start, you know, making a go at this. I mean, you know, um, I, I, you know, me and Gabe had conversations about this with with on the podcast and and aside from it, where and Gabe, you can elaborate on it if you'd like. But you know, it, it sounds to me like you know a lot of these schools they don't have a real home promotion where they can say no, you know, cut their teeth, you know, uh, over and over again in that home promotion and get the experience needed. You, you took a different approach, right? You started getting booked anywhere and everywhere that SoCal had to offer. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. So I think if I'm not mistaken, when I graduated high school, I'm, I think I might've already been Mysterioso or, or maybe that year. Uh, I think 2012. Yeah, I think I was already Misterioso, actually. So you, you bring up that you were already Misterioso. So not many people may know. Um, right. Small of us know, including myself. Right. Because before you were Misterioso, um, there was another Misterioso. So um, talk talk to me through this because this happens a lot in Lucha. I mean, right. I mean there's a... Well, I think last I counted this morning, there were 77 uh, Huracan Ramirez's. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, about 2,000 Coco Rojos and all the oh. colors of the rainbows. <laughs> and in TJ alone, there's 16 uh, Rey Mysterios. And then yeah. in Monterey, there's 27 Hijo Dez and then Juniors. Um, yeah. With that being said, though, um, we uh, ourselves here, we, we had um, 
we had Misterioso. You know, we had um, we had Hijo de Misterioso at at one point. I don't remember if it was Hijo de or Misterioso Junior, whatever it was. And what had happened is we were approached um, by Roberto Castillo, who said, right. "Hey." Um, you know, I'm getting rid of the name. I don't want to do it no more. I own the rights. And they give you all this paperwork stuff that who knows if they wrote it that morning on a, on a napkin. But they said it was official. And the gentleman here, uh, Vaquero Fantasma, purchased the, the gimmick, right? And so he purchased the gimmick, and he was introduced as Miseroso. And then out of nowhere, here comes this kid with the Miseroso name. And then... Uh, and Beto, you know, I, I get it. All is the hustle, but he put both you, your father, and Vaquero in a really awkward situation because he sold that name to anyone that was willing to buy it. Yeah, yeah. So, so with that, so with that thing, I, I'm gonna be honest. Like I said, I, when I was 18, I didn't really know the the business side of what it was. Obviously, I know Roberto, but I mean he. He's like, well, he's like almost like a father figure to me. So I, I wouldn't be able now I could talk to him more freely. But especially back then, you know, I, I would just I couldn't even talk back. I mean, you guys know Mexican culture and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but so to bring like that whole story and going back to Gil's garage, uh, Misterioso actually would go there. Roberto Castillo, the original. That's mm -hmm. where I first met him. He would he would be because be, uh, for those that don't know, uh, Roberto Castillo was born in Venice, California, Los Angeles, California, technically. Uh, and, I mean, he, he lived here basically all his life, from what I know. So he, he's a L.A. native. Um, he lived and, here. And, and also the original Rey Mysterio Jr., for anyone uh, wondering, he actually was the original Rey Mysterio Jr. And then uh, when Alebrije uh, wanted to become Rey Mysterio Jr., they took the name away from him. Yeah. <laughs> And, and made Mister Oso, yeah. But they gave no. They gave him the Rey Mysterio two first. No? Yeah, Rey Mysterio two and TJ. Yeah, yeah. And then he didn't like it, and he went to AAA, whatever else, and yeah. he became Mister Oso. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, everything is super complicated. But once we kind of like break it down, I guess like, um, well, from my side, I, I, I feel at least like like liberated, clean. So just just to get a little like a back history. So yeah, Roberto Casillo, the original Mysterio. So uh, I met him, and also, obviously my father met him through the lucha scene. Um, we became kind of real close because I mean everyone that's from the lucha scene, you would always kind of there was only honestly one uh, training gym at that time, and that was Gil's Garage. Yeah, so from what I know, uh, I think that's that you're talking about like what whatever like two thousand like not even to, like the nineties to like the. 2002, 2003. Yeah, because he was making rings and making ring rentals. He was doing a lot yeah. of stuff to keep himself in business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that 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 uh, well, I guess let's call it a gym. That gym was really like a staple of the the Los Angeles lucha scene. Yeah. So going back to it, um, we would see Misterioso there a lot. Uh, my dad uh, basically built a relationship with him. As far as like being friends, I remember going to his house. Uh, he used to live like in Pasadena, I think. Yeah, and we would have like birthday parties, uh, celebrating his his uh, biological son his, and his daughters and stuff like that. And then, uh, obviously, he moved uh, because of 
uh, real work related issues. <laughs> no, no, because like real work, I don't know how to like a shoot job, right? Yeah, no, no, I know, but he, I mean, he moved for a bunch of other reasons too. But I forgot, yeah, did yeah. he move to? Did he move to Washington or was it Oregon, something like that? Utah, Utah. Utah. Hey, you go. His flight was always a mess too, because it was Utah, and and he always had to come in, but. You know, take me to the point where he offered you or your dad at this point offered you the name, because when he offered you guys a name, the name had already existed. And right. in, in a sense where not only did the name get uh, released to, to Vaquero Fantasma, um, right. it was the video was shot where he called him my son. He gave him the mask and did a switch. Right. Uh, Super Luchas covered it both uh, online, uh, their online magazine and in the actual magazine in print. Uh, it was a lot of stuff that was official. And right. next thing you know, uh, he says, oh, you didn't give me all the money. Uh, whether it was, oh, um, the agreement was you got to pay me in whatever the amount was. I don't want to go into that. You got a year to pay me or you got whatever the amount of time is. And so Beto gets on the horn and goes, oh, no, I need all the, all the money now. Well, what do you mean? That's, that wasn't the deal. Oh, no, no, I want all the money now or I'm going to sell it somewhere else. And he said, all right, you know what? Well, I'm going to pocket this money and I'm going to sell it to somebody else. And that, that to me was my biggest issue because I know your dad reached out to me. And, you know, uh, I mean, it's all water under the bridge. And I, I, I only spoke to you because I was speaking to your dad in Spanish. And his Spanish trumps my my Spanish any day of the right. week. And if I spoke English to him, he's like, "Well, talk to my son." And I was like, "Oh, this is a mess." And I remember telling both of you, I was like, "Look, I I I don't care, you know. Um, all I know is this guy got taken for uh, for a ride. Um, what's going on?" And so I'm just curious because I don't think I really asked you, but when he gave you the the rights. Uh, did 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 you get it from him as a blessing? Did he did he sell it to you as well? Because he already sold it once, and to my understanding, right. he sold it a third time to another kid in Monterey, who later he says that he was no longer going to use it. But he sold that name at least three times. Um, did, when he gave it to you, did he tell you it already existed elsewhere and he wasn't happy? Because it did cause a lot of heat, you know, for a little while. Um, right. From me even using you because of the loyalty to Vaquero. Right, right, right. No, no, no. I mean, like, 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 like you said, it, it all comes down to loyalty. I really, how do I say? It? I can't badmouth Roberto. One because he he legit is like family. Other because I mean, he honestly like uh, he's always uh, on a personal level. He's always been cool with me, even even right now. Like we might not talk every day and stuff, but whenever we talk, it's more than cordial. It's like oh, how you doing? You know, he gives me like pointers and tips and stuff. Right. <laughs> From what I know, from what I know, so this whole thing came, uh, it's kind of a, like a little, a little long story. So uh, I was already I was still wrestling under, um, under the other Mexico. And um, for some reason, like I, I, I don't know the exact reason, but he gets, a call, he gets a call from, my dad gets a call from Berto. I think just cashing up and stuff, right? He was going to be in town visiting his parents because his parents uh still live here in uh in la or and then he's like oh we should catch up and stuff and and i think uh me already wrestling kind of came up because uh for those that don't know uh like roberto can see he's my godfather of like uh catholic uh how do you say like uh, confirmation yeah confirmation yeah confirmation so so 
uh, for those that don't know what that is, like a Catholic religion thing where basically he's like a, a godfather, right? That's that's the English term for it. Yeah. Like a godfather Same. of the ceremony. So, um, so yeah. So, so he asked, maybe even not even thinking of like, you know, small talk, like, oh, how, how's, uh, how's, uh, my, my, my Godson doing or whatever. And then he said, oh yeah, he's been wrestling, you know? And, uh, he actually, this is a, I don't even think I've, I've told this, uh, story before. He actually got it. Uh, this is when, uh, this is when, I don't even know if I should say it. This is when like, uh, when did Gabe, when did, uh, Miguel get, get injured? Ooh, yeah. Um, let me see. We opened in 2008, so I think somewhere between 2010, about that time is where he got injured. Because so, look, this is crazy. Because I'm not making this up. This is this this is gonna basically kind of make sense. So he got injured maybe like 2010, right? Like mm-hmm. 2010, 2011. Yeah. At that point, uh, oh, damn, I was gonna say his real name. Uh, he, uh his real son, uh. I don't even know how to say it. But yeah, you know, we won't, we won't say his whole name, but uh, the original Hijo de Rey Misterio, which I also was his first match um, um, that I baptized him in. And to say, you know, in Spanish, Lo Baptice, yeah. he, he was wrestling as Diablo um, prior in, his, in, Tijuana. in Tijuana. And then his father. Big in, local star, eh? Oh, yeah. And then in Guadalajara, he got um, baptized with the name Hijo de Rey Misterio at a show that I booked a bunch of guys on in Guadalajara. I forgot it was it was a promotion that was being run by Vampiro, and then eventually Vampiro let it go. There was problems with the money, blah, blah, like like every other thing in wrestling. And Miguel took over, and then when Miguel took over, um, he asked a bunch of my guys to go over there. So I had sent Kafu, uh, I sent uh, Derek Sanders, I sent you know I sent the Border Patrol over there, and um, and when he came back from there. He wrestled for me in King City as El Hijo de Rey Misterio, which in other terms, back then he was the actual legitimate son of Rey Misterio. And it, of course, it caused a lot of issues because they have a huge resemblance. They look a lot like uh, Oscar and this guy look a lot, a lot like each other. Even with the tattoos, huh? <laughs> the it tattoos was, was, are almost all the same. Everything's there. And, you know, then he became Hijo de and you know that took off and then that's when the talk started coming up after we had booked uh mr rosso and he had come and did a show for us in 2010 towards the end of the year 2010 and i remember i was taking beto and rocky romero to the airport and we were talking and uh we had a really horrible draw it was like a a flood all over in san jose which was really poor it was really bad rain last minute rain blah 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 and um, Betha goes, hey, uh, there's some stuff I want to talk to you about. I got a business idea for you. I'm thinking in my head, oh, God, this guy wants to lose his mask and he wants his money, right? And even though he had already lost his mask umpteen times, I called him and he wanted to give the name to somebody else. And I was like, well, I have no interest for that, but I think I know someone who does. And that's when Vaquero Fantasma uh, talked to him. And next thing I know, I had to book Beto in order to make it official so they can switch the masks and take the pictures and do the prom picture and the Sadie Hawkins and they can hug. And take- Man, so you just, this guy, Papo, this guy just wants to take over the podcast. Like, what? I, I kind of just brought in Gabe just to give me a little fat check. Then he just came in and gave us <laughs> his story. Hey, I just want to make sure where all my money went. 
so I want to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> Look, I don't know if I'm going to answer your, your questions, but I'm going to tell my truth. And yeah, I'm no, that's all I want to hear is the truth. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it, I mean, we can talk about, you know, who your first trainer no, was all we want, but this is something that listeners know or no, not I, something they're, you know, no, no. always privy to, especially in I, Lucha when you have so many fake juniors no, and ego this. Yeah. The only reason, no, the, look, I wasn't trying to change the subject. I asked you that because it, it comes to it. Com- it's like it's a transition into into giving you kind of all the details. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's your path. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. So, so I bring up uh, Ray Mysterio getting hurt. The original Ray Mysterio, uh, Miguel. I could say we could say his name. Yeah, he actually, he actually puts it on Facebook. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, but he, he, the. the Oh my, this guy, dude. <laughs> this guy's. Uh, the thing is, see, as a promoter, I'm not afraid. As a worker, oh, yeah, as a promoter, let's show some respect. Yeah. Oh, I got the respect. It's the way I look at it. When you put your fucking real name on Facebook, and then you want no one to call you by your real name, then don't I'll put it on fucking own. Facebook. No, no, no. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, he yeah. lost his match. It's public knowledge that that I'm not. That's why I said his name yeah. too. Because, that, but anyways, he got injured and um. That was basically um, his son. Uh, again, touchy subject. His son. Um, he he got. I don't know what happened, but basically, his son was out. No, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but, you know, there was a lot of family drama going on there. Um, I I am very close. You know, really quick story uh, on Ray Mister on um, Ray Senior. Uh, he was a police officer in TJ, and my un- my uncle may rest in peace. He was the chief of police of the Tijuana police officers, and Ray Mysterio worked for my uncle, and that's how I was in contact. And that was my very first taste of lucha libre when I was doing a show for APW, and Roland needed uh, lucha talent, and my aunt goes, "Por qué no le das a, a Rey Mysterio?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll call him fucking right now, tia, no problem." And, you know, no problem. Let me just fuck up, pick up the phone and ask for Rey Mysterio's number. And she goes, no, mijo, mijo, ven, ven aquí. And I'm like, what? And she goes, here, here's his number. And tell him, what? and tell him, uh, Salvador Valiente, you know, and I love my uncle to death. I, I, I cry every time, you know, because that, that's, he was a hell of a, hell of a person. And he goes, Licate, your teléfono, Salvador Valiente. All right. So I call and Miguel answers and he goes, how'd you get this number? He, you know, he was very like, you know. No, it was, that's a thing, though. That's a thing. And you got to remember, I don't think a lot of people know this, or maybe they, it wasn't their time. Ray Mysterio Sr., Ray Mysterio Miguel, yeah, had bookings every weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Two, every yeah. weekend. Double, triple every shots. Weekend. Yep. Every weekend. Every weekend. This guy, this guy had bookings every weekend. He was working every weekend. He was probably as what demanded as like like park is right now yes or even, you yeah understand? yeah absolutely absolutely he did not he did not need uh bookings like, he, yeah, he, yeah he did not need to leave tj he was literally booked in his hometown you know you know two or three LA, times you know or anywhere yeah it anywhere. was non-stop it was yeah, non-stop it, it yeah he was and this is before like people for yeah this is like kind of before even like social media oh yeah it was before social media because so this is a little bit harder so this is like just off connection and how do you get you know? that phone number you know and how yeah, do you get exactly. a real that, one that's what i'm saying yeah. that's why you getting that phone number is a big deal yeah. because before first of all people probably won't even answer phone numbers that don't know yeah, you know, exactly you would have to be like, hey th- this guy's gonna call you for this and this pick up and it turned out that my aunt gave me the personal number that you know like the Kind of like the, the booty call phone, you know, that only certain people have. 
And Bro, so you're, you're I, I called and he, and he, he, he answered it. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Miguel and I go way back. And Bro. so he actually answered the phone. And Pablo, he, you didn't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so then he answers the phone and he says, uh, who gave you this phone number? You know, nobody has his numbers. You know, it's very private. Um, I want to know now. So not a problem, you know, my aunt, you know, my aunt Genoveva and my tío Salvador Valiente gave, gave me the number. He goes, that's your aunt and uncle? I go, absolutely. They live here. They live there. He goes, oh, my God. He goes, I haven't seen your uncle in a long time. I haven't seen your aunt. They're beautiful people. How can I help you? I was like, oh, shit. I said, look, bro, I'm starting out. I want to book you here, here uh, on this date. And he says, okay. He goes, it's going to be X amount of dollars. Um Normally, I got to get paid up front, all of it delivered here, here, and here. He goes, but, you know, you're new and stuff. He's all, um, I'll drive there. And goes, You'll drive to King City? He goes, yeah, you know what? I'll drive. Um, I'll bring my son with me, and then uh, maybe you can use him. I said, yeah, I'll put him on. So when he got there on that show, um, Diablo wrestled Wama. Remember him? Yeah. Yeah, and so they wrestled. San Diego guy, right? Yeah, San Diego guy named Wama. And so they wrestled, and then uh, Ray, Ray Sr. wrestled. And he goes, look, man, he goes, here's my number. Call me on that same number or call me on this one. And that's, that's slowly but surely when next still started coming out, then all you hear was beep, beep, right? And uh, that opened doors for, for a bunch of stuff. But that's about the time you're talking about in 2011. He had just finished a booking for me. Uh, in San Francisco at John O'Connell and he went to wrestle the next day in LA and that's when his legs gave out yes. in, in, in the corner. Yes. Yeah, so so I bring this up just because just it, it all comes sense to basically, not ba and maybe, but it it, it kind of blends into the story. So uh, my dad gets a call from Roberto says like, hey man, like, uh, what's up? How's everything? I'm, I'm going to be in town this week and visit my parents, blah, blah, blah. Cool, and then they they start up a conversation, and they say, "Oh, how's uh, my my godson doing? Oh, good. He he's actually wrestling. He's have like maybe like a year, I think maybe already wrestling. I don't know, like two years of wrestling. It's going good or something." And then, uh, uh, so at this time we're 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 still training. I I don't remember where we're training. Maybe at a at a. Do you know a wrestler named White Pork? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he he has a he has a, a wrestling ring in the back of his house. I think that's where we were training. Uh, and basically, it's like kind of the main event guys in the L and stuff. Yeah. And the the point is that incident where uh, Ray Mysterio Senior Miguel gets injured happened maybe like a month or two ago, and then it kind of snowballed to uh, his son uh, getting in whatever getting in his problems and stuff. So. The point I'm trying to make is they were uh, Miguel obviously uh, wrestling sort of income and stuff from making like I don't know I'm not in his pockets but X amount of dollars to making zero it's a big deal so that's when uh, basically someone kind of someone uh, I don't remember the, who exactly but somebody close to Rey Mysterio basically said like hey um uh, I Miguel's I think doing this kind of business and stuff. Like maybe <laughs> maybe your son's interested. And I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I they didn't obviously they were, at that point they weren't talking to me directly. It was, like my dad would then tell me and stuff. And, but he he told me and he's like he's like well he's like well I don't think it's a good idea you know because it's 
honestly, I don't even want to kind of say it because I don't know if it's like a hundred percent sure, but I think it was like a a two year like 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 a lease agreement kind of stuff. And basically, like obviously, we we didn't agree because um just it was just like uh so many things were unknown, you know, and especially two years, and then obviously like uh we they like knowing uh Hijo de Rey Mysterio the problems that he was having like always being compared because at that point uh Rey Mysterio Junior six one nine was still at the height of his you know yes like he was like WWE champion or whatever. So my thing is like uh, I don't know whatever it is, but the point is when Roberto called my dad, he kind of brought that that my dad brought that up like oh hey like you know uh, Miguel actually uh, called and he 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 said like uh, to one of the guys and one of the guys recommended like uh, my son to you know to, he thinks he could be a good uh, like prospect maybe of the name and stuff and then uh, that's when uh, Roberto. Uh, Mr. Rioso said, oh, well, how about uh, my name, you know? Because at that point, I think he, was, he wasn't really he wasn't really doing it full-time or not even, like, part-time, right? He was doing, like, maybe one or two gigs. Yeah, still. yeah, and he, he, would, he, he would only do them for me because uh, um, the relationship I had with Miguel and, uh, you know, we took a, he took a liking to me. I, you know, uh, I guess people would always give him drama to fly him in, and you know how I am. I, you know, if they needed a flight, I, I would get their flight and take care of them. So he figured, hey, you know, um, I'll wrestle for you every so often, but it's not something I want to do all the time. And, yeah. and that's why he did it every so often, but he wanted yeah. to sell the name. Yeah. So, so yeah, he he came to my dad and basically said this. And right away, I know my dad kind of put like, a, like a, well, what about this guy, this guy, this guy kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And then my, to be honest, my, my, He got cut off. Oh, see, he wanted not. He doesn't want to tell the truth. Oh, dun, dun, let's, get him back. let's get him back on. But, bro, I've been quiet this whole time because I'm tripping the fuck out on everything <laughs> that you guys are talking about, dude. This is well, you know, I know, I, I, I know we'll get him back. Um, but yeah. it's, it's something that people want to hear, you know, it's something different, it's Love? interesting because you there. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, think- no, I was mysterioso. I was I was just telling Gabe, I was like, man, you know, we lost you, but I, I've been silent this whole time because I'm tripping the fuck out on, <laughs> on, on how like all this shit is playing out. I yeah, mean yeah, yeah. Well you should have heard he what Papa said when you left. He goes, Oh that motherfucker didn't want he he's all he didn't want to fucking tell you the truth, huh? That's why you hung up. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> But all, all, all of this, this story is relevant. To, call to, my dad. To, he, yeah, he called my dad. He basically said, like, oh, you know what? Well, I have this proposal, uh, this proposition for you guys. How about my name? And then uh, right away, my dad kind of said, like, well, you know, from what I know, because at that point, uh, you guys have to remember uh, the Misterioso number two from CML was doing his stuff. And then yes. I think we already had seen, like, uh, uh, the hijo de misterioso from gays promotion and stuff and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So my dad and I'm getting this. I'm getting this from my dad. He told he told them straight up, like, you know, what's going on here. And then uh, from the story, Roberto told us it was basically like a bunch of um, like uh, misunderstandings and unfinished business deals or whatever the cases cases be. He he, like I said, like. That 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 conversation was mostly my dad and Roberto, mm-hmm. and 
the conversation my dad had with me was, all right, well, how can we fix this if we really want to go forward with it? And to be honest with you, I'm not even trying to like sound like a cool guy or anything like that. But I really was kind of against it because of the same reason. Because I mean, I would I would hear and I would like like listen to what other like wrestlers would say about like you know juniors at that point and stuff. And, yeah. You know, when you're when you're a young kid trying to like just even make it, you don't you don't really want to hear that stuff. No, you you kind of just like that kind of you're already like facing a lot of challenges, you know, starting with your career and that's going to be... Well, everybody has that same ego. Nobody, everybody wants to, you know, you wanted to be Epico and you, at some point you saw yourself Epico, you know, main event somewhere and all of a sudden you have a potential name and especially when you were so close, reached out, you know, for Miguel being Hijo de Remisterio, number two, number three, whatever it may be. um, It was in the thing. uh, It was, it was in play for you. So definitely uh, it cost something because I remember your dad reached out to me and told me, Hey, you know, uh, I bought this. I own it now. Uh, You must cease and desist uh, the one that you have. And I was like, well, one, I don't have to do anything because I don't own it. So let me give you the information to this guy. I said, but bro, I think we're taking for a ride here because, uh, why didn't I give you Vaquero's number? Because your dad would work with Vaquero every so often at other shows and so on. So they knew each other. And next thing I know, um, I, I saw all the messages from, from Beto and Vaquero. And basically, Beto was in the bind. He wanted money ASAP. And he wanted to, you know, he put him uh, in a bait and switch. And obviously, he never thought, you know, the opportunity would come up for his godson to do it. So he said, the hell with it. I'll, just, I'll give it to my godson. Who cares? I already I already sold it to one guy in Monterey. I already sold it to this guy here. There's one in CMAL. Wait, what's one more? And we know in Lucha, that's what happens. And and I spoke to you briefly. I said, look, man, I don't want your dad getting upset. There's no sense for it. Because there were talks about lawyers. And I was like, look, man. I said, I don't have to worry about anything. Here's my lawyer's name. This is his phone number. If you guys did something wrong, call him. The name is not mine. I don't care. And I was always taken back because I think you were put in a bad spot because you had no control over it. It was not in my business, but somehow all the legal terms were being sent to me. And the guy who bought it was arguing with Beto. And in the end, Beto pocketed money from everybody. And he sold it to you or gave it to you, whatever it is, and he pocketed money. And I've always had, you know, those sour grapes because I treated him well. And instead of being respectful like I was to him, he put me under the bus and he didn't care who did it. And when when I asked him and texted him what's going on, he would just go, oh, you guys can figure it out. What do you mean you guys figure it out? You know what I mean? I, I didn't tell you that when you were left from other bookers that you didn't have a flight home and I paid for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And look, you know, now, now you got to bring him on the podcast. I don't. I don't look. Oh, that's okay though. But I can, no, no, and no. and I, and I'm just being real. Yeah. I do people right, and I. I mean, I don't think I've ever told someone. You know, I've had people who work for WWE now who change bookings on me in the middle of a match and give me a different finish, and every ounce of me wanted not to pay them, not to give them on the flight home, whatever. I said, all right, man, you know, that wasn't cool, blah, blah, blah. Here's your ticket home. Here's your payout. I'll never use you again. You know, I've never been the one to to, to do that. But, yeah, I was very upset, and I, I felt like I got taken for a ride, especially when I was bringing him in. He put me in a bad spot. Because Vaquero, who was loyal to me uh, forever, you know, he he built the academy for me um, on different different ways and other buildings. And when I mean built, he sheetrocked, built it, every hammer and nail, everything. Um, he put the ring up by himself. So I was loyal to him. 
Obviously, right. I can't say I was loyal to him as you were to your godfather because that's exactly. different. But yeah. we, were, we were all loyal, and we no, were put exactly. in bad spots. And then for me, I got put in a spot where I was like, look, man, this kid uh, – I remember your dad sent me a picture. I still have it right here in front of me. When you've got, when he gave you the mask, you were a young, skinny kid, yeah. young, and I was like, "Oh man, this kid!" I go, "He's yeah. not even going to wrestle for another three, four years." <laughs> you know what I mean? He's he's still young. And then when you started developing, you hit me up and said, "Hey man, I hope bygones can be bygones. I'd love to work for you." And I was like. Yeah, I'd love for you to work for me too, but I got to talk to Vaquero, and Vaquero was super sour, super, super sour. Yeah, no, and, I remember the, the the I don't remember the exact the exact thing, but I remember that, that situation because, like you said, Vaquero was your top guy, so I remember not being like super confident and like ready to do whatever was going to happen, you know? Because right. going there for problems, but you know, I'm not going to you know sit back and let it happen yeah. either. Yeah, yeah, of course, exactly. But like at that, like that's kind of like further in the career because at that point. But either way, like, like you know me, Gabe. I, I really like. I, I don't have to lie at this point. You no, know you don't. Absolutely I really, not. Yeah, I, I really don't have to lie. At that at that point, I wasn't talking with Roberto directly. It was going through like my father, channeling through my father. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think my father would have any reason to lie at least to what roberto was saying you get what i'm trying to say yep and like you said we we were all at fault because we were being loyal to to whoever it was at that point you get what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. like, like uh, roberto being my godfather he to this day he hasn't really done anything to me he hasn't done anything to me to, for me to not talk anything that's not positive in his direction of course you get what i'm trying to say of course and i think, and I think that's that's basically a lot of people could say what what they want about him, but I look at him in a different light. No, I will. With me and him, there's no bad blood. It's nothing but but you know good good thoughts and good emotions when we see each other. But you don't feel uncomfortable in any way when you know he literally did that. Like I get it, he's your godfather, but right. at the same time, you do know that he sold a name to three different people. No, okay. So so this is this is kind of and, right, so and he pocketed the money from three different no, no, no. people. So this is this is this is what I'm saying. This is everybody like, like you get what I'm saying. I know you personally, Gabe. Yeah, brother, I, I do. No, no, no. I know you personally, Gabe, and I don't think that you have a reason to lie either. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And I know, and I know Roberto, and like you said, you you and Roberto know each other, but your guys' uh, relationship seems different at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. You get what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? I would so think it's so. Like, it's like. It's like you say, you like you see two guys that you get super along with, and then you kind of like, okay, where you get what I'm saying? Where do I come into this kind of stuff? Of course, yeah. You know what I'm to say? Of so course. At that point, my whole thing was, uh, Roberto came to my dad, said what it was. My dad had his like, uh, his uh, well, obviously, exactly, because my dad's not dumb. He, he he gave a little pushback, saying like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And he basically said, well, well, you know what? Like, nothing is signed for it. Like, that's... that's what- See, that's the rough part. I still have a copy of the contract that, that Fakaro and them signed. 
Okay, we'll see. Look, and that's the rough part. And I get it, bro. I get it. And but to me, it's like uh, it, it doesn't show any. It doesn't shed any light on negativity on you and your right. father. I think right. it still comes down on, on Beto because there was a contract signed, and that's the whole thing of why Vaquero wanted to do it in that way with the contract signature, with the picture, with the video. He felt he had covered all his bases. Right. And long story, you know, long story short, uh, he didn't care. And that was right. that was Beto, you know, right. but fast forward until you wanted to work for Revolution. And I'm like, you know what? I said, I'd love to have that name. Um, and again, and I, I tell this to Vaquero every single time. I said, bro, you're lucky you didn't get that name because you look like shit in the gear. And he would get pissed, right? I go, you didn't look like a Mr. Oso. You should just say it's Vaquero. And I go, ah, you know, expensive ass in the learning lesson. But when you started growing into yourself, you know, you were, you know, you were a young kid when you got it. You started bulking up. Your abilities got better. And you wanted to work for Revolution. And you asked me, I said, look, man, I said, this is this is how much I want, and this, and I, I, I don't drive well, you know, so I need to get these t- things taken care of. And I was like, yeah, not a problem, bro. But I have to go to Vaquero, and Vaquero kept telling me no, no. And I was like, dude, at some point, I need you to either pick up the phone or talk to him at a show and scroll this shit away because I can't have you handcuff me. And it turned out that your dad was booked somewhere in Stockton at a soccer field, indoor soccer field. And I believe you were booked in that show. And, you know, Lucha booking, they got switched around and you guys ended up in the same match. And he says that you guys went to town. Um, he tested you. And he goes, yeah, you know what? Good fucking kid. I have nothing against him. It's not his fault. If you want to bring him in, bring him in. Oh, no, no, no. It was just me. Oh, was it just you? Yeah. There I you go. But, yeah. But, but the funny part is he wasn't under that gimmick. What do you mean? He he wasn't under under Vaquero. What was he under? I don't I don't remember, but this is why I know he wasn't under that gimmick because I didn't know I didn't know. Um, oh that. yes, you know what he was? I know what it was. It was under his uh, Bala de Plata. They were doing yes, uh, yeah. Uh, yes. What it was is Vaquero Fantasma was trained by the original Vaqueros. And one of them, his uncles, was Bala de Plata. And he was doing that gimmick as well um, just to play around because he was kind of, you know, he was lost and he was upset that he had lost an opportunity. And, and again, you know, no one's rich. And I'm not saying he paid uh, Beto a million dollars, but, you know, he, he was sour on the money he had lost. And he told me that he worked with you. Not that he stiffed you or anything, but he worked you, tested you, you know, to see how you'd handle stuff. And he told me, yeah, he's a good kid, man. He's, oh, I'm not happy what will happen, but it's not his fault. If you want to bring him in, you got my blessing. No, yeah. Like, so, so just a little backstory on that. So I, I went to that booking not not knowing nothing. Like, I remember, I forgot how I got that booking, but I remember it was with, like, Damien. Yep. And I, I think Equal Ray Mysterio. Yes. Right? Yeah, yes. it was something like that. But I like I went into the locker room just acting like it was a normal booking. You got know what I'm trying to say? Well, it was until you no, find no, no, out who I you're know. working. <laughs> no, 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 I know. But I'm saying like, it, like to me, it was more tense when I went to work for. You get know what I'm trying to say? Yes. Like Pro Russian Revolution the first time because yeah. of what I knew I was already stepping myself into. Yeah. That booking, I didn't even know. Like, who was who? I just thought everyone, you know, the only people I knew were the people, like, on the plane, like, Damien and, like, all them. Yeah. So I, so I like, I just, like, looked at it normal. So I was like, oh, like, you know, it's another thing. So I didn't know until after, like, oh, it's that guy? Like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, like, you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but absolutely. A little, like, like you said, a little things made sense. 
But at the same time, like, I, like I didn't think nothing of it because everyone has their style. Sure. Who are more like aggressive than others and stuff. Yeah. And I always know, like, you, you, you give what you get type yep. of stuff. So to yep. me, that, once we're done, like, oh, thank you, you know, everything's mm-hmm. good, good. All right, let's go. And that's it. Yep. So I, I didn't think nothing of it. Like I said, to me, the more tense situation was when I actually went to, uh, what was it, Petaluma? Yep. To Petaluma the first time. To me, that was a more tense situation. That's, uh, you wrestled, um, God, who did you wrestle? Was it, um, Lindsay, no? Was it Lindsay Dorado, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think before he even got signed or something. Yeah. He, uh, he, you wrestled Linsay Dorado, and at that time, Papa, what it was, it was Linsay Dorado wrestle, uh, wrestled Mr. Rosso. The winner of the match would take on the winner of, of oh. Bestia 666 and Caristico. Caristico for the, for the new open weight title. I remember that. Correct. Hey, what, let me ask you this. Uh, Blue Demon was on that show, right? Yes. That was that was, that's that fucking Kevin, that son of a bitch. Well, you know what? That was that, we, we might as we might as well. He, what bro, might as well? Let, no, check this out, Mister Russell. You gotta you show, gotta bro. talk to him about this. This is a great story, and we don't talk about enough ribs. Go ahead, Papo. I want I want everyone to hear this. I, I remember this show, bro, um, because uh, my tag, my old tag partner, the Lucha Horseman, Arkady Fedorov. He he tells me, hey. <laughs> We got to make sure that we no marks and no fans are backstage, man. No family, friends, or nothing like that. I said, okay, cool. And he leaves it alone. We go on. I think we're probably after intermission or whatever. I think Blue Demon might be going on sooner. Yeah, or whatever. it was after intermission because they were had they had and, the and merchandise. Our, yeah, and Arcadi goes, hey, look at those people over there. Look at that lady with the kids. <laughs> you gotta go. You gotta. You got. They're not supposed to be back here. So here I am, all gung ho. I ain't afraid to talk to nobody. I'm like, hey, don't even worry about it. So I get, I get in front of him. I say, excuse me, miss, you and your kids, you gotta go. You can't be back here. And they looked at me funny, and I was like, you gotta go. And they kind of just didn't listen to me, right? And before I could go any further, somebody told me that that was Blue Demon's family. <laughs> and this son of a bitch knew it and sent me over there. Oh, man. Oh, Petaluma. That was Son so funny. Emmer Demon goes, oh, yeah, you said which pinche way? I go, no, 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 no. It's all good. He didn't know. No, oh. no, but at the same time, in Papa's <laughs> defense, uh, even though I'm no one to say nothing, that, that does kind of like, you get what I'm trying to This should be like a borderline, regardless of what it is. I mean, it's you, we're acting like uh, the like the family, like you know, couldn't just sit with like the general attendance or something. What had happened is uh, they had his merch, and intermission oh, okay. was over, and they were giving ah, they were uh, he wasn't giving back all the merch, ah, and they were going to okay. go sit down. But Kevin knew, and I yeah. I groomed Kevin from training to ribs to everything, and yeah. so he knew that I had chewed out. You would have done, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's facts, bro. It's exact. He would have did that. He would. He has. Yes, yeah. that's facts. That's why he said when he groomed Kevin, and he that's messed yeah. up because Kevin actually he just said his real name too. So. Yeah, you know, yeah. I I groomed him, and uh, I had literally chewed out a, a show prior because there was a lot of kids backstage, and I flipped out because I wasn't groomed that way. So Kevin reminded everybody, and all of a sudden, here's Papa going, "Boy, this is my house. I was trained." That if you're in my house, I can do whatever I want. But Kevin thought it was hella funny going, yeah, wait till you find out <laughs> who that, whose family that is. And 
you know, I took care of it, but I thought it was the funniest thing ever. And and it still sits with Popo because Kevin came and told me after the show. He goes, "Hey, did you did you hear Popo?" I go, "No, what happened?" He could try to kick out Blue Demon's family from the show. <laughs> I go, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, it's okay. It's funny though." I'm like, "Dude, are you serious?" He goes, "Yeah, it's all good. I took care of it." You know, and and it was funny. You know, what I mean, but that was a cool time though because I remember Lindsay. Lindsay wanted he you know he was uh, he was very political on wanting to. To go over and I was like, no, I said, this kid, this kid is closer to me. Um, I want to use him more. He's going to go over. And uh, so you went over and then uh, Karistika went over. And so I remember when uh, you guys had your match and uh, Napa, you know, uh, Karistika goes, who am I working? I go, Mr. Rosso. And he's like, which one? And I was like, oh, here we go. And I, didn't, I, want, I was really worried that day. But I had also remember that you had worked with Karistika and Borador a few times prior if if I'm if I'm not mistaken, so yeah. it, it, so it wasn't your first time with him because I know I didn't want to carry you over any drama now with Mister Rosso El Rey de Yogur from CMIL. Right. and you guys had a great match, man, and it was fun. And that's when I felt like you know what uh, I gave him back to back matches. He held his own. Of course, he's not Caristico, but then again, who is? But you were developing into a very very. Uh, a very good worker, wrestler, luchador, but you were very honest. You were upfront. You didn't pull no punches. You were very silent. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start using this kid more and more. And you know, and now, and it, and Papa can tell you, I'm very picky, and you know this as well because you've offered me some of your friends. And I'm like, no, no, yeah. hell's no. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. And and I think you know, even though we started very rough relationship i think it's groomed into a very good friendship where you know i've taken you to texas to arkansas yeah. you know um you know milpitas you know all those great towns you know shout out to milpitas you know what i mean but also um you know uh a good segue on that is i remember you were living in mexico and you hit me up because you were training uh i'll let you go into that story but you were training out there in mexico and you're like hey Come on, man. I, everyone knows you're booking, you know, Dragomania. I'm like, no, I'm not booking Dragomania, but do you want to be on the show? And you're like, yeah, dude, I would love to. So, all right, hold on. And boom, you know, I got you on. And it was cool sure. to see a familiar face from home in Mexico at the cathedral, which is something that I, I still hold true to my heart. So, Right. We, we've we've come a long way, you know. We've come a oh, long yeah. way, you know. But one thing that I don't want to forget, Papo, and I I don't know if you're going to talk about this. And I'm sorry if I cut you off. I know it's your show, but this kid, That's all right. this this kid's very close, to, very close to me. Um, yeah. one thing that people don't talk about, you know, besides the fact that he's wrestled in China and Japan and Mexico and all that stuff, people don't know his education, and this kid has busted his ass. You know, to to not just graduate high school because I take it for granted. But if you don't mind telling everyone, I know it's something you don't you know talk about very often. But I think it's something you should be very proud of. Can you tell tell us more about you know your your life after high school? Uh, you know, scholastic wise. Right, right, yeah. So um, just after high school, I was kind of like in a tough place because I already knew that uh, wrestling was what I wanted to do, but at the same time, um, I mean. Ha- coming from like immigrant parents it was kind of it was kind of difficult to just tell them like hey you know like this is it for me like I think this pathway is going to be better because ever since I was young I mean they always kind of put that in my head like college college university college so me knowing that I had the 
how do I say it, like intellectual to to continue mm-hmm. because I mean in in high school I didn't really get bad grades they could have been better but at the same time like you have to remember I would do like these wrestling things and obviously me being young and stuff so uh, it took me longer than than four years but but yeah I got it done I, I mean I have a, a degree in a business management. But like I said, I don't. I don't oh, nice! Yeah, I congratulations! Hell yeah! I don't really like talking about that because I, I actually do like to separate. Uh, no, but something like that, brother, you gotta be you gotta be out front about because not only does that help you in life, but that that also makes you a much much smarter wrestler on the business side as well. You know, when you started out as a kid who was taking a booking anywhere, now you're very smart about your bookings, and you know, would lead would leads you uh, to other directions where. You know, uh, you no longer can get questioned on who owns that name because you've done your due diligence to take care of yourself. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Here we go. Another two-parter. Well, yeah, we do a lot of two-parters, but I'm going to say this. In every interview, there's a lot of ground to cover. And if you're going to tell a story, you have to tell the story the right way. So we're going to stop right here. And I'm going to ask you, tune in next week for part two of the Mysterioso sit-down. We're going to cover a lot more ground. We're going to tell a lot more stories. I cannot wait for you to hear it. Speaking of hear it, thank you for listening. And I know you're listening from somewhere. So go on social media and hit us up. Let us know what podcast platform you are using to listen to every episode of Straight Out of the Bodega. Is it Spreaker? Is it iTunes? Is it Apple Podcasts? Is it iHeartRadio? Let us know. Hit the subscribe button. Get the word out. Tell people that we're here. Also, let us know how we're doing. Positive comment, negative comment, it don't matter. Let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what we're doing wrong. Give feedback on who you'd like to hear on the podcast. And just talk to us, man. You know, we will talk back. You know, we, we want to make sure that we're interactive here. And you're helping us get better for you, the listener. Well, that's all the time we got for this week. Before you go, please check us out on social media. That's Straight Out of the Bodega on Instagram. Straight Out of the Bodega on Facebook. Twitter is at S-T-R-8-O-U-T-D-A-B-O-D-E-G-A. Straight Out the Bodega. Give us a follow. You know, you might like what you find. Let's 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 build the fan base. You know what I'm saying? Also, check me out on social media. That's Papa Wesco on Instagram. Papa Wesco on Facebook. Papo underscore Esco on Twitter. Talk to me. I talk back. You know, give me a follow. Get the word out on me too. King Fat Boy. I'm here. Well, that's all the time we have on behalf of the podcast. I am the King Fat Boy, Papa Wesco, and we are out. Masks.com, in partnership with Mass Republic, give you personal protective masks to keep you Lucha strong in the fight versus COVID-19. With world-class luchadors Blue Demon Jr., The Lucha Brothers, L.A. Park, Ultimo Dragon, Kane Velasquez, Conan, and so much more. Head to lucha-masks.com and you too can become a masked warrior. Lucha-masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution.